This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. Uh, there was a few of us that went to annual conference this uh, last past week. Uh, Debbie Gudger and Kyrie Marie were there as delegates of our church, representing our church with vote on the floor. Uh, and uh, uh, Dorita, who is with the children right now, was also there as associate pastor. She also has a vote on the floor. So a chance to be part of the conversation around what we're doing and how we celebrate together as connection. And I want to uh, let uh, folks share uh, with you Come on up, Debbie. Uh, what their experiences were uh, uh, there because, you know, all of us are invited to go, and it's in Boise, which makes it hard to get to go. So I want us to capture a little of the flavor. There are going to be uh, photographs, too, scrolling through as uh, people share, and you'll be able to see a little of what that looked like. Oh, yes, better talk on the microphone there. Okay. Yeah, right. go. I'm on. I know. <laughs> First, I want to say thank you for letting me have the great privilege of representing, being one of the representatives from Ashland First. Um, I love annual conference. I don't have to go all the time like the pastors do. Um, but I do, I love the connectionalism, and Dorita really spoke to that eloquently already. Um, I love making the connections, meeting new friends, seeing old friends. Uh, before I get too far in, I want to show you my, this is my Reconciling Ministries stole, and I've worn it for probably more than 10 years, about 15 years, and it, um, it honors uh, the LGBT community, it um, represents my heart for those people, for all of us, um, and so I wear it, I wear it to stand with them. Uh, when you see the photo of the road way out in front of you, I don't know if it's been up there yeah, yet. Uh, <laughs> I was stopped in the middle of the road when I took it because it's a long, desolate road, and I was perfectly safe when I took the photo. <laughs> so I'm going to share with you just uh, some of my learnings about annual conference. And <clears throat> excuse me, the first one being... It's a very long drive to Boise. <laughs> but I loved it, it is gorgeous. I've never seen that side of Oregon. Uh, so it was, it was a great day. Uh, the people of the, of the United Methodist in the Oregon, Idaho, United Methodist Church in the Oregon, Idaho Conference act out of abundance, compassion, and respect for each other. I was, I was touched by this every day. Uh, the theme of annual conference was do this and you shall live with a focus on planting, nurturing, and harvesting to plant again in our lives, our churches, and the world. To change our results, we must change our mindsets. Few things are successful if one person is doing it alone. We must work together. Most importantly, we must listen to each other and dig deep to discover the mindset we are each coming from before we can change our behaviors. 
following business each morning in the um, in the annual conference session. Brian K. Brown from the Virginia Conference spoke to us about conflict resolution, large and small scale, using the anatomy of peace. Um, wonderful book, which is arriving at my doorstep tomorrow. We focused on how our mindset influences our behaviors, which produce results, good and bad, depending on the mindset. Small breakout groups quickly became covenant groups, as we shared our struggles to communicate more openly and truthfully with others. Now I have a set of quotes that just were random and they would come to me during the day um, from our various speakers and I wanna share those with you. How I discern which tasks, problems, struggles, how do I discern which tasks, problems, struggles are my responsibility and which I must leave for others and for God to deal with. We don't have to do them all. We don't have to take that upon ourselves. We need less charity and more justice-motivated action. As soon as the church stops being a beacon of transformation, it becomes irrelevant. The church must be a voice of peace and justice. We must develop leaders who develop leaders. It's time for disruptive innovation in our churches. And I would add, with wisdom. Who is our neighbor? How do we work with, rather than for, our neighbors? If it were enough to be right, we'd be winning. Don't call each other out, call ourselves out. You never know what's going to happen when we start down a path of healing. And that's from Bishop Elaine. <clears throat> My favorite moments from annual conference were witnessing the ceremonial return of land at Wallowa Lake Camp to the Nez Perce tribe. And I'm sure that Coyote Marie will be talking to us about that. Witnessing the commission of Jesse Cummins as a provisional leader, I'm sorry, a provisional elder in the Oregon-Idaho Conference. And in the same service, we honored five retiring clergy, including Pamela Nelson Munson. And the last um, was, it was just a very special, special moment. Uh, witnessing Uni Rueda receive the Bishop's Award for her witness as a Deferred Action for Childhood arrival, Arrivals DACA recipient. Uni grew up in the Wilder Hispanic Ministry of the or Oregon-Idaho Conference. She's a nursing student at Western Oregon University. And this quote is from her. I know for a fact that it were, if it weren't for God and the United Methodist Church, I wouldn't be here. Don't stay quiet. I encourage, I encourage you guys to speak up and not lose hope. It amazes me to see how God is working in us, especially in these times. Amen, and thank you again. Heidi, come on in. I don't think there was a dry eye in the conference when Uni shared her story, um, and her plea, don't stay quiet, resonated for me also, and for many others. Thank you for sharing that, Debbie. 
Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing? I wasn't planning on being here this morning. My canoe got a little tippy yesterday. But about 9 o'clock this morning, it steadied itself. And I received these words I'd like to share with you today. There's a river that runs through Boise, Idaho. Do you all know what the name of the river is? It's Boise River, okay? <laughs> the fellow who worked at the hotel when I asked what the name of the river is that runs outside our hotel room said, Boise. It's named um, by uh, Canadian-French trappers who arrived in the area in the 1840s. Um, before then, it was named Reed River uh, by the indigenous people that's there. It runs about 120 miles or so. Um, It's fed by the, near, uh, the nearby Sawtooth Mountain snowmelts. Beautiful area. This particular river ends and disappears uh, at the mouth of the Snake River. It's beautiful. There's fishing, boating, rafting, swimming. The river is smooth and calm, inviting. The river is also torrent, muddy, rapid, and cold. At the Riverside Resort in the Convention Center where we were holding our prayers and connections with each other, it runs about 20 miles alongside there. As with the recreational activities of the river, the annual conference had many visitors and attendees. And as with the movement of the river, the activities of the conference were smooth and calm and relaxing and even comforting, but also at times torrent too fast-moving, difficult to navigate, and a feeling of great resistance, as if you're paddling upstream, going against the increasing current, the hard-flowing river coming at you, which I seem to be always placed by the Holy Spirit right in the middle of that torrid running river. <clears throat> At times, taking turns around unfamiliar bends. Have any of you ever been in that sort of feeling, you know, what's next around the corner? not knowing if you were going to sink or swim, 
and not knowing if your canoe was going to leak or if it was going to be hit by a big boulder in the middle of the river that the water's been covering up and you don't discover it until you got a big hole in your canoe when you're right on top of that big boulder. It's too late, you're thinking by then. But somehow, some part of that water that's flowing in and around you tips over slightly the vessel that you're in and you're able to get off that big boulder that's stopping you from moving forward. I found out through prayers and ceremonies and uh, the actions that we were voting on and discussing held me in a vessel of contemplative consciousness. It held me into reasoning why I was there. And I was there for you. I was there for my church. And in my own seeking, I was there for the Creator. Now we voted on uh, women and girls' rights. We had heated discussions at the small table talks where we all had differences of opinion on what type of addendum should be added, uh, what kind of environmental factors we are to be caretakers of and involved in. And yes, we discuss politics. <laughs> so how do we resolve, connect, come together? One of the resources that I have is the very water itself. And I have a sacred bowl of water here from where? Boise, the Boise River, uh, and added to that water is um, blessed water from the Healing Pond in Machu Picchu, rivers, lakes, ponds, oceans, seas, uh, from all over the world. There's blessed water here from uh, vessels. Um, from Buddhist temples in Thailand. And I'm going to leave this uh, bowl of water out here for you folks, if you choose, um, to, uh, to come to. And uh, put your hands in that water and say thank you. Put your hands in that water and bless that water. And say thank you for blessing us. Thank you for the river. And thank you for your sustenance that sustains us through all the troubling and all the calm waters. Yeshte watahe, yeshte komanahata. Wadu. So 
I'd like us to play a clip, the first three-minute clip uh, from the, this is the director you're going to hear of the Greater Northwest Innovation Vitality Team. We have planters and innovators, both lay and clergy, working to re-engage their communities in ways that give voice and agency to those who've been missing from our tables. Bold steps in new directions have been taken onto an ever-shifting landscape where there are more people outside of Christian community than inside. At times, we have found ourselves standing in scarcity instead of recognizing the many assets that exist within our communities of faith and in the wider communities in which we serve. But times are changing. Disruption is happening. Innovation at its core is about managing change in an ever-changing world. And we are discovering what it looks like to walk by faith with others who have rarely been given space to co-create common good for their neighborhood. Moving forward, our efforts will embrace faith-based community organizing, asset-based community development, and encompassed by intercultural competency. In Alaska, I want to celebrate this with you, in Alaska this July, we will be launching a new place in the Nanooka Valley led by an Alaska native, Reverend Murray Crooks. This is a multicultural, it is it is a core, it is at its core celebrates the deep heritage and represents and presents an opportunity to co-create with Alaska natives in a way that previously had not existed. <laughs> it's time for disruptive innovation. As a church, it's safe to say that we are not adaptive. We don't we do not like change and we're often dragged into the future kicking and screaming. We've lost our ability to step into a new way of a movement. A movement that once spread across the land as Methodism helped define opportunities in a young America. To do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. What does love in action look like? Well, as, an, as the Innovation and Vitality team, we believe that vitality exists in faith communities and the wider community when these three practices are present. Innovation, multiplication, and inclusion. We believe these practices evidence vital and vibrant communities that produce hopeful outcomes. Barry, and we see those outcomes as new leadership. Our time is short, so I really want to pause here and at the salient center of what he said, right? We are, the three things are innovation, multiplication, and inclusion. We're going to hear those words over and over again as we as Methodists recognize the core of our very DNA. When we launched into a world that was, uh, that was new to us as we, as we moved from England and Germany into England and Germany and all over the world, that we knew we had to include people who had never, never imagined that God was for them. Who thought, in fact, that because they couldn't fit into the practice of religion as they saw it, that they were excluded. If you were a coal miner and your clothes were covered with coal, coal dust, were you allowed in the church? 
And John Wesley said, yes. So when we innovate, we figure out how do we cross that divide into, peop- into the groups of people who think that church isn't for them, who think that I've got to assimilate somehow into what they're doing instead of us thinking, how do I reach over, jump over and stand next to them. And what did John Chrysostom say earlier where two or more of us are gathered? The minute I stand next to somebody who thinks the church isn't for them and I stand with them and I talk with them, we are church. How do we make that church sustainable, powerful? How do we multiply it? We lean into it. We figure out how do I stand here with you, not how do I make you stand here with me. It's a fundamental shift in how we think. A fundamental shift. I'm not going to wait to come up with this water. If this is all right, Coyote. We are the church. We are baptized in the love of God. We are deeply part of the church. Somebody came over and stood next to us and invited us in. We are not born Christian. That is something that finds us through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of witness for those we love and who love us and have the courage and the audacity and the temerity to say, how do I stand here with you? So, innovation, multiplication, inclusion, those are our most interesting words as we reach out. Lord, help me move to stand next to those who would not know church otherwise, that they may know the deep love I know, that God is so good, and that we are all beloved. Amen.